Welcome to the Renegade Nutrition Podcast, where we discuss all things wellness. I'm Eleni Welch, nutritionist. And I'm Kay Boyer, health enthusiast. Welcome back, Renegades. Welcome, Renegades. Welcome. We've got a great guest today. This is a lady who has helped me with my nutrition for Oh my gosh, like decades, Tara, I think, like a long time, <laughs> like over 10, 10, 15 years. Um, and her name is Tara Dowd. And I'm so excited to have you listeners kind of see some of my background of how I got into nutrition. And this is a brilliant lady who helped me there. Yes. Welcome, yes. Tara. Glad to have you on Thank the you. show. I think this Thank is you, the, the first time maybe we've had a guest that Kay knows that I don't know. Oh, wait, my energy healer. Oh, your energy yeah. healer. Okay, the second. That's right. But in my, my, my special ladies special that I have. <laughs> yep. Yes. Well, it's nice to meet you officially because I've heard many good things about you from Kay and some of her friends. Um, so Tara, we'll, we'll kind of jump right into it. But um, perhaps we could start, since I don't really know you at all, yeah. we could start with asking you about your story. Yes. And how you got into the field of nutrition and what drove that process and started that pathway for you and, and how what you ended up doing what is. you do and what yep. your title is. Yep. Yes. Introduce yourself okay. to our listeners. Okay, great. Um, my name is Tara Dowd and I have a master's degree in applied clinical nutrition from New York Chiropractic College. And I also am a certified nutritional consultant. I'm also an adjunct professor for Southeastern Community College so that's a little bit of my nutrition background of kind of where I've got my schooling and where I'm at right now. And I do um, do holistic nutritional consulting in Burlington, Iowa. Cool. How I got into nutrition, I think like most people, I've always been interested in nutrition. So like in high school, I was always in sports, trying to watch what I ate and trying to be healthy just in general. So nutrition is always something that made sense to me. And I also had an aunt and uncle that did a lot of um, seminars and my uncle was a chiropractor. So they would bring a lot of information to me at a young age. So, you know, junior high, high school, I was getting information starting uh, back then. And that's where I kind of uh, piqued my interest. Then as I got a little bit older, my second child was born completely normal. And then at 18 months, he went severely autistic and uh, he lost all this hearing. He lost all this speech. Wow. He couldn't um, communicate with anything. Um, and we have videos of him where he's interacting with his brother, laughing and talking, using words. And then we have a video not too shortly after that where we're trying to say his name and he can't even respond to the camera. Wow. So, um, yeah, so it was, it was really, really heart wrenching to have that happen. Um, I knew he wasn't born with autism. So that was, that put me on my quest to see if we can get this kiddo better and at least improve my symptoms, or I mean, his symptoms so that I could get, relieve some stress because we were going through a time where he, you'd have to harness him to even leave the house. He was wow. so severe wow. and his eyes would dart. Um, you couldn't go to the grocery store. You couldn't do anything like that. Or if you tried to, it was just, it, it was really, really difficult. So the, we didn't have a lot of money at the time. So at the time, um, I saw a doctor here in Burlington, a chiropractor that really helped us out. He had some homeopathics that helped get him calmed down. And then um, we used a, um, and then I got online and I just got onto the Autism Research Institute and I wanted to see what were other parents doing. I'm a person who finds who's successful and I follow what they're doing. Yeah. So I'm going to find parents that have reversed their autistic killed kids and I'm going to do what they're doing because they're the ones that are the experts. Right. So, you know, and I want to find the doctors they're working with. I want to find, find those people. So I went ahead and I um, looked online and I saw that the, the 75% of parents, which is actually the highest thing on the list 
that helped their kids with autism was changing their diet. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I don't have a lot of money, but I can have control of what I purchase and do for my kids. So that's really started my journey into the nutrition right there was just changing his diet. So at that time, parents were using the gluten-free, casein-free diet, which I still recommend for clients today. And um, that was a very, very huge change. And we still follow that to this day. So he was back at that time, three years old. Now he's 21. Wow. um, When he was originally diagnosed at age four, he had severe autism, severe ADHD, and he was nonverbal. He was undiagnosed last year. And um, he technically was off the autism scale, but they didn't know what to really call it. So they left him with high functioning autism. Mm -hmm. So I'm very happy with that. Um, So to have that yeah, it was great. And so I'm very proud of him because even on, um, it's going to make me cry. I know. Yeah, show. do it. Cry away. We cry on this show. <laughs> so yeah, we're allowed to cry. But um, I'm so proud of him because he, he's been running for Southeastern Community College. And he's he's one who's been in national championships for like half marathons, 8Ks. And then he just got signed on to Iowa Westland University. Again, Aww. sorry. And so I'm so, so proud of him. And um, and he'll graduate next year. So he'll have his wow. four-year degree next year. So not only did that, um, but just has a lot of friends and um, just great. Uh, and that's something that the doctors told us he would never, ever do. They, in fact, told us he'd never go to school. Wow. So, Round yeah. of applause for you. We, we cry on the show. That's amazing. That's really Good, great. Because I have some tears. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wow, how incredible. So from 18 months, basically, to four years old, you guys were coping with this severe level of autism. And what age did you begin the dietary changes? And how soon did you see changes in his behavior and functioning? Yeah, age three is when we started. Um, We started a week before his fourth birthday, actually. And I remember having the visit in Iowa City for the psychiatric diagnosis. And the first thing they told me is don't change his diet because that won't help. And <laughs> yep. It was very, very firm from the doctors. They all sat there in this big meeting and said, don't change your diet. Right. Um, <laughs> That's typical. Yep. Yeah. So and then they also said, you know, bring him back in a few years. and We'll give him some drugs. And uh, at that point and then they said that he, you know, when they, in the meeting, they said he wouldn't talk. Um, and we'd have to institutionalize him probably by age first or second grade because he was pretty severe. And, um, you know, that was where the with that, I just kind of, I went back and went, you know what, this isn't, this isn't the case. So it was literally one week after they said that he would never talk. He looked at me and said, mom, can I have a glass of juice, please? Wow. (laughs) Wow. And we were were doing things with the, with the chiropractor at the time too, and working on some heavy metal toxicity stuff. So we feel like he had um, just from the, the testing from his medical doctor that he had a lot of heavy metals on his brain. And so once those heavy metals started to come off, then he started to talk. So that was a huge, huge thing for us. Wow. That is amazing. Okay. So we need to have you back on and to have like the practical side of as a mom and what you did to help your, your son. I know, we definitely like, want you be back on for, for like a, for that autistic episode. Like we would love to have you back because yeah. that story is so powerful. Yeah, I'd love to be back on for that. Now we'll have lots of tears on that story. So. <laughs> yes, yes. That was good. Bring your tissues. So we it. Bring your tissues for that one. <laughs> so then that started your path into the field of nutrition. So so how mm-hmm. soon after beginning to make those changes with your son did you decide, hey, I want to do this for other people too? It was pretty quick. I mean, it just what happened, especially in the beginning, is that I started having success right away with my son. And so people just kept calling me and they kept calling me and kept calling. And finally I wrote a book because I was like, you know, they keep asking me all these questions. Why don't I just put it in a book? So I did that in about 2010. 
And, um, and what's that and book so that called? Was, I, it's called uh, Tightwad Tara's um, Special Diets. Um, and then it just, I, I have to even think of it. Like I, I love that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I've got it jumbled. Cause I'm sitting there. I'm like, I'm writing like two or three others in my, in my, you know, got two or three others going right now, but uh, it's the finding the time to finish them up. Mm-hmm. Writing books is a, is a, takes a lot of time to do. Yeah. But um, so people just kept asking me a lot of questions and um, quite honestly, it got down to the expense of it where um, some of the doctors that I was seeing, I loved them. They were doing really good, but it was just expensive. They were charging about $500 an hour to talk to them. They were recommending about 40 supplements a day. So it was costing my family two to $3,000 a month, wow. which we wow. didn't have. And at that time, we didn't even make $3,000 a month. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, when your medical bills exceed what you're actually bringing in, um, I'm also have a degree in business. So I sat back and went, Oh, let's calculate that out financially. I think it'd be cheaper for me to just go pay for a master's degree than it yeah. would be to actually <laughs> just keep paying this. So that's yeah. that's another reason why I went in. And another reason I went into that too. I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but just to be able to get access to things that I, you know, with a master's degree, um, you're going to be able to get access to a lot more things than people that, that may have just like a health coaching or just a nutritional counseling. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to get into the seminars or the medical doctors. I wanted to train under the best. Mm-hmm. And that's why I went for my degrees because I really, really wanted to be in with the best of the best mm-hmm. because Smart. this is where you're going to learn. This is where you're going to have a lot of your stuff. So, um, you know, I'm just, I don't dabble. I, when I go for something, I go for it. Yep. So that is um, awesome. Yeah. The yeah. mindset we're, we're gonna, of the successful. That's amazing. Yeah, yep. for sure. You just, you know, I'm not going to sit back and watch other people, but in it, and it's yep. been, it's been good. So yeah. And you've been doing this ever since. I've been doing it ever since. Yep. And wow. I, I actually didn't plan on keeping my business open. I was going to just kind of dabble in it and shut it down. And I was working a few hours a week. And and now, I mean, I even looked, I've been averaging. I, and when I first started, I was like, oh, five, six hours a week. That's good. But in the last, especially month, I've been doing over 30 hours a week, which is wow. um, a crazy because I don't have that kind of time, but I'm still doing it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I love it. I need to get back in there too. And I love what you do and how you've helped me feel so much better when... Yeah living like when I came to you I just came from a perspective of like the modern American of like oh eat normal food whatever and you were the first one to be like wait check gluten check dairy like watch what you're eating and I was like oh like it was a complete brain shift it so anyway it's kind of neat that you're just bringing that to like small town in the midwest which it's not very prevalent here so no it's not it's been it's been hard working here in the midwest because the mindset is very different in the midwest yes and in fact my son's medical doctor he moved to california because he was having such a hard time he was in wisconsin and he he just had a hard time in the midwest because Mm -hmm. our mindset is um you know just not always into that so i do have people travel from all over the world that come in to see me and i do have big groups of people coming in from the east and west coast um, basically yeah. probably cause I'm cheap or cheaper. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You're a great, your prices are good. I'll say that. Yep. Yeah. They're probably yeah. too cheap right now, but yeah, uh, that's but, true. <laughs> yeah. I, I like to keep it affordable for people because I really don't think that nutrition should be accessible to right. just people that have a lot of money. And yes. if you, you know, you'll notice that there's some of this in the industry where there's a lot of overcharging in my opinion. And yeah. I just feel like, you know, if you want to reach everybody, you're going to have to be able to do it in a way that it's uh, doable for everybody. And I don't care if you are low income or high income, I don't care what your income is, you need to have accessibility to whatever this is. That's so that's something I'm really passionate about on that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. I remember reading yep. um, somebody's comment. We, we just did an episode on getting off of social media and why you should. And I was talking about how comments irritate me. Yeah. Um, 
but but this was kind of a good eye-opening one was somebody commented um that they thought that functional medicine was really for elitists because it was like not affordable to the masses and i'm like you know what you probably could have phrased that in a more kind way but you're totally right it does feel elitist to a lot of people because it's not accessible so that's i do the same thing with my nutritional counseling i keep my prices low i mean first of all because i'm working towards my license and i'm not licensed yet but second Mm -hmm. of all i'll keep my prices what they are once i am licensed and i'm not Mm going to charge extra to like Mm -hmm. make money off of labs or to make money off of supplements or anything like that because to me functional medicine nutrition health should be accessible to everybody we shouldn't have that dichotomy where some people can afford to be healthy and some people can't and we know that the medical system is not succeeding in bringing health to the masses so if i'm going to start in a a profession that is bringing health to the masses then it has to be accessible to the masses so i really like your perspective on that and keeping your prices affordable and making it accessible to everybody yep yep Yep. exactly um good okay well if we will jump into our our series of questions for you because today we're actually going to talk about anxiety and depression Mm -hmm. um and Kay mentioned that a lot of the clients that you see are struggling with those issues so that's what we're gonna take a deeper dive into today yeah yeah Mm -hmm. go ahead and just start with kind of what what you have gleaned from your clients what they need kind of what you think the trouble is what we can help our listeners with just dive deep into all of that okay well first thing i want to start with is what let's to kind of define anxiety and we wanted to talk about was it anxiety and depression both yeah yep okay so let's um i'm going to go into uh this is the national institute of health what it, what they're saying um from the national institute of health is that uh, there's the difference between, let me see, I'm going to click into this because I'm going to read it right off their site. Mm-hmm. So occasional anxiety is a normal part of life. Many people worry about things such as health, money, or family problems. So I do believe that's true, that we all deal with the occasional anxiety. Um, but when you have anxiety disorder, this is going to involve more than just temporary worry or fear. And for people with anxiety disorder, it doesn't go away and it gets worse over time. Mm-hmm. So that's um, the diagnosis or that's the uh, definition of that. And then again, I'm on the National Institutes of Health webpage and we're looking at depression. So when we're talking about depression, this is when you're having this severe feeling of like you just kind of can't get out of a funk. And um, it is a mood disorder that I think a lot of people don't even recognize that they might have. Mm-hmm. You're feeling irritable, frustrated, restless. Feelings of guilt, worthlessness, helplessness, decreased energy. Uh, you feel like you're just slowing down. You're just tired. You're fatigued. Yeah. Um, difficulty concentrating. Difficulty making decisions. Hard time sleeping. You might get up too early in the morning. You might oversleep. Um, changes in your appetite. And then, you know, getting the more severe end, you might have thoughts of suicide or death. And then you could even have aches and pains. So uh, clients come in and they might have back pain or um, a headache or cramps or things like that, or even getting into digestion issues. And then sometimes you might even have a suicide attempt. So that gets into the depression um, and what those definitions are. And uh, so what I'm seeing mostly in my office, it's it's kind of funny. People don't actually come in for the anxiety depression as much. Usually they're coming in for something else. And I would say a good 75% or more people are suffering from either anxiety, depression, or both. Wow. And um, yeah, very high percentage. And it's not, again, they're not usually coming to see me for that, but they're usually coming in for something else. Maybe it's a digestive issue or um, just not feeling well and they can't really quite figure it out. And um, 
when it gets down, when it gets down to it, or I'll say something about, oh, we'll get into usually talking about food intolerances. And I'll talk about the connection between anxiety, depression. And they're like, oh, I have anxiety or, oh, I, uh, I have and that's, and it's like, so it's not their initial thing they tell me about, but it almost always comes up in conversation one way or another, or they'll say, oh, my family member has this or my friend or my spouse, you know, somebody they know is battling with anxiety, depression. So, you know, when it, when I come into a lot of different topics, there's a lot of things that we can talk about, but I really feel like this is like the number one thing that people are coming in or dealing with that I'm, that I'm seeing at the office. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. 75%. That is a high percentage of people. Yeah. I think our modern world, like that is kind of now what we're dealing with. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Good. Mm -hmm. What are some things that you take these clients on to help like what are some of the causes you think and the anyway yeah Yeah. what is the root of that very high percentage yeah there's a lot of things so I'm going to go back and look at the National Institutes of Health I took a few notes on that too and so on their webpage they're saying genetics and environment are playing a role into that and I completely agree with that where a lot of the things that um, that I see, I deal a lot in with the genetic stuff I deal with probably the most is in with the MTHFR methylation. And when someone has an issue with methylation, um, my son also has an issue with glutathione and some genetic abnormalities there. So those both in both of those genetic abnormalities, people have a hard time detoxing chemicals out. So when those chemicals come into the body, then they have a hard time just being able to come out in the way that they should. So they tend to accumulate in the organs and the brain, you know, wherever that is. So that brings us over to the environmental stuff that the NIH is talking about. And, you know, you can think about even just environmental is this, could this be our workplace? Could, you know, are we stressed out? Are we in a family situation that's causing us a lot of stress? So that's just a stress piece of it. Or we can look at environmental toxins too. And I honestly think that that's probably where the biggest problem that we have is the environmental toxins. So that's going to be exposures to chemicals. You think about your farm chemicals, you think about anything that if you've had um, exposures to anything that's chemical being put into your body, then that's going to be a toxic piece that is, to me, a huge contributor to the anxiety. Um, Another thing that they had mentioned too, was having issues with your heart or thyroid. And I'm going to add on to that, that Again, if you have issues going on with your organs and those organs aren't functioning properly, then that's going to affect your brain. And you may have heard of like the gut brain connection where the, the, the gut is off. And so if that gut's off, your brain's going to be off. So right. that's going to go into some of the organ issues. Um, other things that they had mentioned too were caffeine, which I agree with that because the caffeine could go in and affect your heart then that could go in and affect, you know, that anxiety piece. Um, Even medications they have listed on their site that certain medications, you know, check your side effects of those. And if you go in and check the side effect of the medication, anxiety could be one of those side effects. And then even other substances that people might be using. Um, For me personally, that some of the things they didn't list on their site that I think could be contributing into that. Um, I think diet is the one they missed from the list. And that to me is the number one thing that they should be looking at. Um, that can be a contributor in with that. I would say the two things that I typically uh, work with on people are looking at the diet and then the toxicity piece. So um, lack of sleep, I can add that in there too. So when people have lack of sleep, that's going to trigger into, and even lack of exercise, we can put that in there too. So um, those are all things, but, but the dietary piece is really important. And if it's okay, I'll talk about that piece right now. Yeah, please do. Um, Yes. 
Okay. Yeah. So in the dietary end, what I find there is that, you know, like Kay mentioned before, it's a lot of times people are struggling with food intolerances and the food intolerances are something that I, I probably wouldn't have dove as deep into it if I didn't have the issues with my son. Mm -hmm. And he literally has over 50 food intolerances. Wow. So yeah, it's, it's incredible. I've, I've only dealt with one or two kids that have been as bad as him. And um, with these food intolerances, every time he has something, and I'm not even talking, I have clients come in and they're like, well, I've reduced it down. And it's like reducing it down isn't going to do it. You have to go in and give it your full heart on it. Because even one crumb, if he would pick mm -hmm. up one crumb off the floor and eat it, then he his reaction is anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, my daughter, in her case too, she had a dietary, I, I believe it's an allergy. We haven't had that fully tested, but um, hers is to dairy. And so as soon as she'd have dairy, she was having it like nine and 10 years old, having anxiety meltdowns. And she had no yes. reason to be. Mm -hmm. All yes. we did was pull dairy. Yeah, we just pulled dairy out of her diet and the anxiety completely went away. She has never had anxiety issues mm. unless she cheated. So yeah. she'd come home and her other symptom was like, she'd get these black circles under her eyes. Mm -hmm. So she'd come home from like church and I'd be like, so what'd you eat? Yeah. Nothing, <laughs> you know? And then, you know, you, she could never lie to us because her eyes would turn out with dark circles and then she would have an anxiety attack. Yes. So it was like, okay, you're, you're, you're not, you know, you're not seeing this here. So, yes. um, so that was a big piece, but that's my, my, my other son, his actually is even more severe than anxiety. And I would even put it into either like a bipolar or schizophrenia. Like it, it puts him into such a psychotic mode that he can't even pull himself out of it. Mm. And um, so do we cheat? We never cheat at our house. And even when we go on vacation, we're cooking in the hotel room. We're trying to be as careful as we can. Um, I mean, we just, no matter where we go, we just take our food with us because we cannot risk, we can't risk a meltdown. I, like I, we don't have time for that at our house. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's, that's just something we have to really look into. So I, I have noticed too, like even with myself, dairy was the other one for me that I didn't realize I even had anxiety until I didn't have it anymore. Ah. And I didn't even realize that I was like getting wound up or I'd be like, you just have a, you know, <gasps> or just get irritated quick, or I'd get irritable quick, or I would just not be able to handle the situation as well. When I went gluten and dairy free, um, I pulled myself off gluten first because that was the easy one for me. Dairy took a long time mentally because, you know, I feel like people are um, you get addicted to your food and you mm -hmm. don't want to give that up. And I have people say to me, I would rather die than give that up. Mm -hmm. And that's what's going to happen. Probably. That's what's happening. Yeah, yeah right. it's happening. You're going to yeah. you are going to die. Yeah. So like make a choice, make a choice. Is this worth it or not? Um, but that dietary piece, when that goes in and it, and I'm talking, I mean, and it's not just gluten and dairy, it's all different kinds of foods and those foods will affect your body differently. So like for me, um, I think the dairy triggers anxiety and I'll have night sweats, um, you know, wake up with hormonal stuff. Cause I'm getting to that older age. Um, it's the fatigue is the, what kills me. It's just like, it's so tired and it'll knock me out for three days or so, three or four days. But even if someone has one crumb, it's going to knock them out for, I, I tell them to take six days off. So if you, so if they say I'm not cheating, then they'll go in and, you know, okay, so you're, you're, you do this and then, and then it gets you on a tailspin and you're just never out of it. So you don't ever get to that point of feeling better. So if the one number one thing I will do with my clients is you get that diet changed and, um, and if you can get it changed, but there's, and there's several ways you can test for that too. Um, the food sensitivity testing is, is a really good way to do it. Be really cautious on your testing though. Um, one of the reasons I did go in and get my master's because you're doing these, if you do like, I, to me, the at-home tests are not very accurate and mm. they're cheap. 
Okay, yep. they're cheap and yep. it's an accessible way for people to get it, but is it the right thing? Um, you know, if you're taking one or two drops of blood and sending it into a lab doing this at home, or like I like to use Alcat and I'm doing four tubes of blood, and this is the gold standard with all kinds of uh, clinical research backing mm-hmm. it, that's the company I'm going to use. Mm-hmm. Um, ah, the yeah. other one that I can, you know, you just want to use, you want to use the best. But even if you have access um, at the doctor's office, they do run, there's an IgE and an IgG test. The IgT or the IgE test is going to run for allergies. And that's not the one you want to run. Um, unfortunately, I don't think a lot of medical doctors are trained in that how to use the how to use those testing or what to do with it when it's done. But the IgG test you can run. But I will say my son's medical doctor, that's what he used. But I found that the insurance didn't cover it for one. So it ended up being the same price as what the Alcat test is or a little more expensive. And then on top of that, it didn't pick up everything I needed it to pick up. I mean, it was obvious. I had lists of what my son, I knew what he already had issues with before I tested him. Mm-hmm. So when I went in and it gluten wasn't showing up and it didn't show up three different times in a row and gluten is the biggest thing he has issues with. Okay. Um, you know, what's going on here, but the Alcat test picked that up on him. Now I will say the food intolerance testing won't pick up everything um, on those tests because there are things like nightshade vegetables, you know, your body is doing like, it's not, you're not allergic to it or intolerant to it. It's just not something in the body's not functioning or processing correctly to have that go. My son has a sulfur issue with a lot of foods with sulfur. So if he has, you know, say an egg, then that will cause an anxiety attack. Mm-hmm. So, um, it really, it won't come up. It, it won't come up in any kind of testing. So it's one of those trial and errors that mm. that's where I start using the food elimination diet where you write things down. Um, and early on, I had to do that because I didn't have any money. So you just write things down, try and figure it out. Um, and he's also had issues with something called food phenolics. So this is in with uh, um, a phenolic is in with a lot of the different fruits and vegetables. So he has issues with that too. But you know, it gets into trying to figure out what that process is and so if you can have any one of those foods that can go in and trigger a brain response, and then that's where that anxiety comes in. And then sometimes that depression comes in too. So I think that's such wow. an important point. I just want to revisit it because I cover this with my clients too, is that, you know, there are different food ses- sensitivity tests. First of all, different food sensitivity tests that look at different yeah. parts of the immune system mm-hmm. are going to detect different things. So you could take two food sensitivity tests and they might give you different results because they're looking Mm -hmm. at different parts of the immune response. Mm -hmm. But the Mm -hmm. second thing is exactly what you said. There are foods that maybe you don't have antibodies to or a white blood cell response to, and they're not gonna show up on a food sensitivity panel, but your body reacts to them because of how your body is metabolizing those components and yep. what those components are then turning into in your body and how they're influencing your different systems. So like you had said, you know, with like the genetics, like the MTHFR mutation or the glutathione mutation where your son's body wasn't processing, like those things will impact how food and toxins and all those things impact you. So it may not come up because it's not specifically an immune response, but it is yeah. triggering a negative health cascade in your body. So that's where I I always encourage people to exactly like what you just said, keep a log of the foods they're eating and the things that impact them. And really, you know your body best. So just because, you know, you know something bothers you, but it doesn't show up on a food sensitivity panel isn't like permission to then just consume it because, well, I'm not yeah. I'm not sensitive to it. You know, your body might be reacting to it for a different reason. So I think mm-hmm. that is the best, one of the best ways is, 
and it's tedious and a lot of people don't want to Mm -hmm. do it, but keeping a very detailed diet diary of everything you're consuming and then logging every physiological and emotional response that you're experiencing until you can draw the connections. Wow. Exactly. This is so good because I um, have gone dairy gluten, like processed sugar free, pretty 90% for the last two years, I would say. Um, and every once in a while, when I go out on a weekend at a restaurant, I'm like, oh, it doesn't matter. I'll just eat it. You know, it's mozzarella. It's better than the other dairy, whatever. And I, you've said that three days, I am in a funk for three days, mentally, physically, I'm tired. Like, I'm so glad you said that. Cause I was like, well, I reduced it. I'm good. And, and I can manage it. So I'm good. But honestly, you saying that, like, you can't even have a crumb. I'm like, Okay, it really does affect you. Like, I swear to you. I, and Elaine knows. I'll be like, well, I ate this this weekend. I felt like crap for three days. And But I'm so glad you <laughs> saying that out loud gives me permission to see it. Let's other people even be conscious of it. It's yeah. wild. Yeah. Well, and something else to look at, too. Like, we were having issues. Like, for my son, we have it so... We keep those logs. We figure it out. We know what he can and can't have. Well, there was something this fall that kept bothering him, and I couldn't quite figure it out. And what we ended up realizing is that he, we purchased, it was the Siete tortillas that are very good. They taste great. They're yes. awesome. Good. But the ones from Hy-Vee and the ones from Costco have the exact same packages. But when you turn around, they have different ingredients on the back. Oh, and interesting. Really? So you can even think that you're doing the right thing yeah. and you just grab it, throw it in the cart. And it was finally, I turned around and I started pulling the packages out and I noticed, I was like, oh my gosh. And I, I saved the packages to show. And the same thing with Boom Chicka Pop, which is the popcorn. He can, he gets very few treats and that's one thing he can, can get. Yeah. So we thought, and so he went to go grab it and he can't metabolize canola oil. So we looked at it and on the package, it had canola oil in it. And he was like, oh, rah, 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 you know, getting all mad. And then we go to Costco and the Costco ones are fine. So it was just like, they're manufacturing them for different companies. So even Whoa. the package, you could think you're doing okay, but even you wow. have to look for cross-contamination in factories sometimes. So my, I personally have issues with nuts and um, tree nuts. And so I have to watch, even though I can probably do almonds, I can probably do walnuts. I can't do cashews, but if they've been in a factory with cashews, then my body will respond. Now I don't respond with anxiety on that one. I will just get, my glands will swell up and I get a bloated stomach. So wow. like you said, Kay, it's, you know, sometimes I'll cheat on that cause it's doable. I can yeah. get through it. So I was yeah. on vacation last week. So yeah. there were a few things that I cheated on that I knew yeah. um, they didn't give me the same response, like the dairy and the gluten get, I get that anxiety. I get that, that, oh my gosh, I can't even get out of that funk for three days. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, there's other things like for me, it's pea protein and cauliflower and tomatoes, and I can't do nightshade vegetables and certain nuts. So it's just keeping that food log and knowing what you can and can't have. That's wow. going to be a, a really, really big help. But even my son had an issue, I think it was Monday and he looked at me, he goes, what did I eat? So we're trying to like, again, go back and look at that food log, write it down. Did we switch companies? Did the company switch the package? I mean, even there's a tortilla chip that we were getting that's organic. And they did the same thing. They put canola oil in it. Yes. And of course, I bought it in bulk from Costco. So yeah. I'm like, oh, darn it. <laughs> I had to go look and get all these on my shelf that we can't eat. So yeah. um, I just happened to look at the package. But, you know, I bought it and didn't realize it. And, um, you yeah. know, there it is. I think this is so much better of a way to have conversations about anxiety with your kids. Like to be like, okay, what did you eat? And I do that with our kids too. Gluten and sugar are big ones for for my daughter. And I'll just be like, instead of as a parent reacting and get blowing up and be like, what is wrong with you? What's wrong with your brain? What? Instead now I'm like, darling, you are in anxiety right now. 
oh my gosh, did you have gluten today? So it's a much better way to handle it. And I kind of love this new conversation about anxiety. So yeah. 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 And it puts the ownership too on your kids where they can sit back and look at it and go, you know, they can make those decisions. And I find that the kids that if the parents bring them into me and the kid can't make the decision on their own, it's the parents forcing them to do it. Mm -hmm. They don't really follow through with it. And it's not a lifetime choice. But when the child makes the decision, I have kids as young as, you know, four and five years old, that they'll come in and they want to change. They don't want to feel like this. They don't want to have these anxiety attacks. They don't want to feel like they're in a funk. So they'll come in and they they'll be willing to make the change. And when they make that change and they do that, it's usually a lifetime choice and they will be, um, and I've just watched some of my clients that started young and gotten, have gotten a little bit older. They still stick with those choices and they know what they can and can't have. They don't come back and go, Oh, I, I eat that all the time and I'm fine now. Not not very many of them do that when they make the choice on their own. They they'll come back and say, "Oh, you know, sometimes they've healed over it, sometimes they but then sometimes something else will pop up." They become more aware of their bodies and understanding that what you do will affect everything that you do in your body. It's not, you know, you can't just go out and eat whatever you want or um, do every, you know, do inject things in your body or go in and do things and everything and then just expect everything to move on like it's great because mm-hmm. guess what? You everything you do is going to affect what you do in your body. You have to take responsibility of that. And you can't expect, you know, like even in nutrition, you can't come into us and just expect us to solve all the problems when you have to take that ownership of that too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's quite something that, okay, so I'm mostly gluten, dairy, and processed sugar free. So yeah. I feel good most of the time, except for when I cheat. It's very interesting that most people have their, whatever their triggering foods are most of the time. So you're always going to be feeling bad and not understand when we've been able to separate to be like, oh, that was the problem. And now it's so clear to us. But if you're always having it, you can't separate what the problem is. And then you think there's a problem with you, you know, and it's nice that this could, I don't know. It's like, there's hope in the world, friends. (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely hope. But yeah. yeah, I like how you bring that up. Yeah. That, like a lot of times, if you don't ever get yourself to that point of feeling better, then you don't understand what it feels like to feel better. So if right. someone's doing a dietary switch on that, then the first thing I I, um, I request them to try to do, I mean, it takes six to eight weeks to even figure out what these foods are in. And that's with one thing. So I'll help somebody come in and let's just use gluten, for example. They think they're going to die. They're like, oh, how can I possibly pull gluten out of my diet? And it's like, oh, that's the easiest one, honestly, mm-hmm. because all the foods are labeled. Um, and I always get people to start. Now, nutritionally, I, obviously, I'd love them to be doing certain things. But at first, I just to get them switched over, yes. just do what you're doing. Just switch the brand. Just change your brand. Yes. <laughs> you know, yes. change it and see if it helps. Yep. Just go, just try gluten-free. Okay. Yep. And then, then, but what happens is, is that they take initiative of starting to look at the labels. Mm-hmm. They start to look at what's going on. And once they start looking at those things, then, then they start to realize, Hey, I'm, I'm eating a bunch of junk. Mm-hmm. And then they naturally will start to gravitate over towards fruits and vegetables, doing more of a whole foods diet. And that is something that I love when that light bulb goes on. And when that finally goes on, then that's when my clients, and that's, if I can do anything with my clients, it's that diet change that comes back. People see the biggest change in that. And that's something that to me is so low cost. And it's something, it's just, it's just changing your habits. And if you could just change those habits, then you're going to see a lot of really good results from that. Right. Um, And I, I'm not, I want to like circle back to two things. So (laughs) I'm like, I'll, I might 
ask you one question and then I want to circle back because one thing I want to find out from you is what a good starting place is for somebody who wants to diary or or track how certain foods are affecting them because like you mentioned with your son oh it could be pea protein it could be this thing it could be that thing so for somebody who can't afford to do something like the alcat where's Mm -hmm. the best starting place because obviously there could be a million things so it seems like somebody would need to start with a very limited diet like an elimination diet and add things back in in order to really see what's affecting them so that's one Mm -hmm. thing I kind of want to get into with you and ask what the best protocol that you recommend is for that the other thing is I'm curious to know what besides if there are other factors besides diet um, that you find contribute to anxiety and depression so maybe we'll start since we're on the track of food and we're already on that conversation maybe we'll start with how do you recommend somebody go about determining which foods are triggering them if that's what they're going to do if they're going to do it through diet diary and not through a clinical test What's mm-hmm. the best way for somebody to yeah, do that? That's true. And how many hours between when you eat it and how do you feel? And also my trick is just to throw in here, answer me here, is I always eat my bads in threes, right? If I eat dairy, gluten, and sugar, they're all together. So I don't know which one it is. You know what I mean? The pastry <laughs> has it all. Anyway. Yeah. I, I, a lot of times I'll have people come in and they're like, I'm sure it's sugar. It's sugar that's causing the problem. And it's like, or it's the cookie you just ate. You know, the like cookie, it's not yeah. maybe the sugar. That has it all. Yeah. It could be one of the others. So the, um, the elimination diet is one way to start out and the elimination, well, I'm just going to start out. I do applied kinesiology. So that's what I use. And to me, that's a super cheap way. It's cheap and easy. And I find it to be fairly on target. And of course, this isn't a medically recognized um, technique, but I, um, I'm trained in it. I've been doing it for 10 years and it's usually pretty spot on. Yeah. It works for me. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why like a lot of times I can, I can give suggestions for that. And of course it's not a diagnosis or anything, but it can give you at least something to start with. So a lot of times I have clients come in and they'll say, oh, I've already tried going dairy-free and that didn't work. Well, it wasn't dairy, it's gluten and dairy's not the one that bothers them because it's not, I mean, quite honestly, I'm a person who is, if I don't have to take it out, I don't really want to take it out because that's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. But um, I just know that if you don't know where to start, you don't have a lot of money, start with gluten and dairy because those could be two contributors. Those are just right off the bat. Um, Other ones that I find eggs can be a contributor. Um, Then you can get into some of these other foods. Like I said, it's these, you get into the sulfur, the phenolics. Um, That's harder to find. And um, those are more like, for me, I have to listen to the client and go, are they, you know, what are they saying on it? Because there is no test. And so that's where the, the elimination diet for me, um, you know, and that's the super cheap way to do it. But for me, the elimination diet is it's like, where do you start with it? You know, it's to me, it's so hard. So I like to start with the kinesiology first, then shift over to the elimination diet. If you're keeping it real low budget. So in the elimination diet, you can look at, you know, start out with foods that usually aren't very reactive. So like, rice isn't very reactive. Not that you want to eat rice all week or anything, but, um, you know, usually you can do chicken broth, but that would be straight chicken broth with no additives in it. No, like my son can't do onions and garlic. Well, that's an old chicken broth that comes from the store. So we have to hand make, we have to hand make all of our chicken broth. We have to, sometimes I've even used a mushroom broth that I've made from scratch. I've got a really good recipe I can do in the crock pot with that, Mm -hmm. but that's adding like nothing to it. You got to get down to the bare, bare bones and try to work your way up. So there are different diets. I just, I guess I tend to not use that one to start with. I tend to use it after people get started. We kind of eliminate the major ones, then go back and start keeping the food log and writing it down. And when we're writing those down, then you can go back and figure it out. So 
Um, and then like Kay said, once you get to that point of feeling good, you can figure it out pretty quick mm -hmm. or you, you know, when something's not right, you know, when something's not, then you can go back and go, oh, I had this ham and this ham had celery seed in it. Is it the celery seed that's causing a problem or, you know, and it sounds like you shouldn't have an issue with it. But um, when I even did that, like the Alcat test, I had things coming back like blueberries and avocados and chocolate. Oh no. You know, yeah, and those are yeah. things that that you can, you can look at and go, oh man, these are really bothering me. But like when I did the Alcott test, I tested myself a year later and most of those food intolerances went away. The, not the severe ones, not like my gluten and dairy, but those, I think I'm probably lifers on that. Um, there also can do a test too, like with gluten, you can check for celiac disease. I do mm -hmm. find that a large portion of people that have gluten issues don't really have celiac disease, mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you check through the medical doctor, I've even had medical doctors tell me that that test is about 50% correct. Mm -hmm. If you're doing the blood test mm -hmm. now, I may be right. Or I may be wrong on that. Um, but that's what I've heard as well. I, yeah. I, and I've had medical doctors will come in to they'll bring their kids into me or come into me because they know that that test isn't, um, isn't as accurate. Um, another way that they'll do it is to scope and you can go in there and scope the intestines. But the problem with that is they wait till the villi with villi are like those little fingers on the inside of your intestines. And they wait till those are completely gone away. Then you get diagnosed. You don't want to catch yourself at that point no. of being completely eliminated. <laughs> you know, having your gut that bad to get diagnosed, you yeah. want to catch it early on. Yeah. So a test I can run at my office, I can run a genetic test on the celiac. I cannot diagnose it, but I can give indicators. So for me, I do have the genetics for celiac disease. And I actually didn't have very many of the symptoms, but I do have family members that have symptoms. Um, and it's because I caught it early. So I caught it early. I didn't let my gut to get to that point. Um, and then two of my kids have celiac. And then it, oddly enough, my son that has the gluten issues does not have celiac disease. I, I thought the test was not correct. I tested him again through a different company and he does not have the genes for celiac disease. So he has the worst gluten intolerance of anybody in the family and he does not have celiac. So, wow. you know, just things to keep in mind. I kind of yeah. went off. Did I go off no, I think, no, I think we, we are, we got there because ultimately it seems like the best starting point for somebody is to eliminate some of the major Big heavy hitters, hitters yep. yeah. like dairy yeah. and gluten start there. And yeah. then if you only notice partial improvement or no improvement yeah. at all, start eliminating some of the some other others. culprits, some things like eggs, yeah. and then kind of getting down into the list, maybe yeah. other like reactive, Boy. like nuts might be another big one. Nuts. Um, and then I do know if somebody has a reaction to gluten, sometimes those pseudo grains that kind of mimic yep. what that grain structure looks like can also trigger that allergy. So things like that we would normally consider healthy, like quinoa, yep. that could be a pseudo grain yep. that also, or millet that look like that. Um, and yep. I've also found some cross reactivity between somebody may not have a dairy sensitivity per se, but yeah. when the like casein molecules start looking like the gluten molecules to the body, then their yeah, body exactly. is just reacting either way. Um, yeah. So it seems like eliminate the main heavy hitters first and then work your way down the list if you're not finding reprieve. Because I think like you mentioned too, so many people don't, they've felt so terrible for so long, they don't even realize they feel terrible anymore. And, and simply eliminating those two main categories and seeing how you mm -hmm. feel it might be night or day difference for that person. Yeah. And then yeah. as they continue that health journey, you begin to become more in tune mm -hmm. with what good really feels like. Yes. So good might yeah. feel different initially than it does one year into that journey. Yes. 
where like initially you were like, whoa, I feel so much better. And then a year later, you're like, I'm kind of starting to not feel well again. What is it? And it's not that your body has changed. It's that you're starting to become more. Yes, your standard has changed. You're starting to become more in tune with what good really does feel like. And so you kind of refine it from there until you reach I don't think anybody ever reaches this like ultimate peak of perfection. Yeah. It's always yeah. a journey. But yeah. I think that's such a good way to do it. For the majority of people who are on a standard American diet, removing mm-hmm. some of those bigger pieces, the refined foods, the mm-hmm. the gluten, Process, the dairy, yeah. the processed sugars, yeah. you might just feel a hundred times better. And it's okay if a few years down the road that's when you take the next step and begin to improve things even more. Yeah. What how long do you think, Tara, that you would start to feel bad. Like, is it like I had lunch, I feel bad in the afternoon or I had supper and I, when I wake up, I feel bad or how is the timing? Yeah. The timing in that kind of differs for me, actually, it's, it's kind of like once you, you know, we talked about once you know what your triggers are, watch where they're at. So like in my son, I initially had some issues finding where his, um, what foods were bothering him because sometimes his reaction is 12 to 24 hours later. Usually it's 24 hours later for him. Okay. So He'll eat something and then he'll, it'll hit the next day. And I'm going to use an example. My mom, it was on Christmas. She gave him some almond bark and I, she knew better. She gave it to him anyway. And I looked at her and I said, I I just started to cry. I said, mom, that's going to ruin my Christmas morning. It didn't affect her for the moment because he didn't have a reaction right there on Christmas Eve, but that next day. And sure enough, right in the middle opening presents, there comes the meltdown. And so we were over an hour late getting to their house the next day because they had just given that and you know it just it kind of ruined our christmas because yeah Yeah. it didn't seem like it was that big of a deal but there was an issue he was having when he was younger and i didn't realize he was reacting it's apples of all things was his reaction and um we kept thinking it kept happening at one o'clock every day we couldn't quite figure it out well we didn't have a lot of money and so when i went on vacation we had a very limited diet we couldn't even afford to eat out and so we were driving, you know, we drove to northern Minnesota on this very limited diet. Guess what? A lot of his autistic symptoms went away. And then we get back to, we drove to Chicago after that. And then the autistic symptoms came back. Boy, I was mad. I was like, yeah. what? what is this? Yeah. I knew it was something I was eating. And, you know, sitting down trying to figure it out. And that's where we realized it was the fruits and vegetables that he was eating that were actually triggering a response. And his response was that he would bite himself. So he'd mm. come home from school with nine or 10 bite marks all over his arms or his kneecaps. He'd bite his kneecaps. Mm. And um, they were trying to pinpoint it on, they thought it was an associate that was working with him or one of the staff members at school. And it really had nothing to do with that. Mm. With the fruits and vegetables, those actually reacted within the hour. So wow. he would eat it and then an hour later. So that's why I had such a hard time figuring it out because I chased in that 24 hour reaction because that's what yeah. I'm used to on the gluten dairy. But on the fruits and vegetables, it was a one hour reaction. Wow. And so sometimes it'll be anywhere within a couple of hours, all the way up to three days. So I know clinically um, it'll can stay in your system for three days that you can still have like not have a not have a reaction and then three days later have a reaction hit. So that's why people have a hard time associating the mm-hmm. food with what they're eating because it's not really what they're eating at the moment. I mean, yeah. they're eating it and then they feel bad the next day, yes. but it's usually the next day. Or for me, I, it's about 12 hours for me. If I eat it at you know lunch, by the time I go to bed, it's hitting me. So, yeah. yep. You, we really have to be a detective on what's going on and group yeah. your foods to get, to be able to categorize And Wow. It is quite the journey. But worth I, it. I think that's such a good starting point, and maybe this is now a, a good place to branch. What are other factors, environmental, maybe or mm-hmm. social or emotional, that may be factoring into that anxiety or depression? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have. I have actually a whole list here. If you don't mind, I'm looking on this. Go I, for I wrote, it. Read yes. Write them all down yes. and make sure I have. So the diet we talked about that's huge. Um, I think that uh, one of the things we can look at. Um, oh, that again, National Institutes of Health. They say psychotherapy or counseling, which I do think that if someone is struggling with counseling, there are external factors. Like I said, it could be marriage or family or maybe trauma from when you were younger or trauma you're going through right now, those are things that a counselor can help with or a psychotherapist. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is, it does, it is helpful to talk to somebody or have someone in your life that you can talk to about that. Mm-hmm. Of course, National Institute of Health recommended medication. So I have to mention that they, they did that. Um, <laughs> but do we have a deficiency in the medication? We don't, you know, what you got to go back to, what is the real issue here? What's the real problem? Right. So like I mentioned before, looking at the diet, exercise is another one. Make sure you're getting regular exercise because that exercise is going to go in and help in with um, some of that anxiety. Now, if we're going to go in um, and then addressing that toxicity piece, you got to, you got to trace down and just got to sit, you have to sit back and go, what is the real problem here? What is our root? If it's toxicity, that's our root. Like if you go in, we do the diet change. So initially I'll start out with diet change with people. Sometimes I'll start out with the toxicity piece right away, but we do the diet change. If you don't address both issues, you're still going to have anxiety. So you're going to see a reduction in the anxiety a lot of times with the food, but if it doesn't completely get it away, then we're looking at some of that, that, that toxicity piece. And it could be things that you were exposed to 15, 20 years ago. This isn't something you were exposed to yesterday. So people are looking back, you know, a month ago, two months ago, that's not necessarily the piece. I mean, we can even look at like anesthesia or something like that that goes into the body. Some people don't expel it out very well, then that stays in there. I mean, I've had people come in with anxiety pieces and it was just, you know, having having that um, that uh, anesthesia getting caught, say they went to the dentist or something and got it in there, it didn't come out, then all of a sudden they have anxiety. So if you can go in and work on that toxicity piece and get that out. So um, again, what have you put inside your body that is not natural that you can look at or what are you around that's maybe you can even look at things like radon i mean we live in an area that's high in radon Mm -hmm. so your house tested for radon um you know you can look at all those things but i find that people when they're stretching and looking for things they're looking for they're not really looking at the deep issue they're not looking at the obvious to me that are obvious things they're you know trying to look at something oh i've got a cat and that's causing anxiety well not really you know (laughs) like just something really i'm just kind of using i don't know they'll come in with some weird examples but yeah it's it's like we can't really they've never been exposed to you know what is toxicity and what's that around so they don't know what to look at so that's one to do um, for that um kind of going along those lines um also, you can add supplements in. To me, supplementation is something that's huge. Obviously, that's what I work into a lot because I'm in clinical nutrition and that's what saved my son's life. So that's where I've gotten really good at doing what, what goes in and what helps because um, if you can get that piece and add that in there, you add it into the dietary piece, then you do those two things together and people start feeling pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. Um, some of those supplements might be like a methylated B vitamin. And if I can address supplements real quick on this, yeah. on making sure the quality of your supplements, mm, preach, do not yes. be it's, it's so imperative because if you, if you're running to get something over the counter, especially at some of the cheaper box stores, you're, you're getting junk. I mean, mm-hmm. for real, these, these are, um, and I use a story sometimes that I, I have a supplement company. I went and visited out in Utah. And when I visited the company, they do quality testing. They have the FDA come in um, for whatever that's worth. You know, they had it come in and, and take a look at it to to make sure that they're doing things at the quality testing. So I walked in and the, and the owner says, hey, I've got a big thing of herbs here, a big, huge pallet of herbs. Because what do you what am I going to do with this? It didn't pass quality testing. And I said, well, you're going to throw it away. 
I mean, if it didn't pass quality testing, you're going to throw it away, right? And he said, no, we just send it back to the supplier and then they put it into those cheaper vitamins. So oh, if God. you think about your cheaper vitamins, those are going to be the ones that they're using the herbs or using um, ingredients that didn't pass quality testing at the higher quality companies. So wow. I'm always recommending. Yeah, it's huge. And wow. so, and I, I mean, through the muscle testing that I use, you can look and it might take 15 or 30 pills to equal one of, of the higher quality ones. So are you really getting your good bang for your buck? I mean, to me, wow. I'm a tightwad. So no, you're really not. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you want to go for what's going to be the best bargain for you and get the highest quality. So you want to look for um, the supplementation. There's things you can get over the counter that are good. Sometimes some network marketing companies have some good stuff, but the best, best, highest quality is going to be in through a healthcare professional where you cannot, should not be able to buy it on the internet. Right. Um, people are being unethical and putting it on the internet, right. um, even if you say we're not going to, um, but some people are doing that, but you need to go to someone who's you know, you need to have that, that supplementation. So looking into that using like a methylated B vitamin that can a lot of times help. Um, omega threes are a big one too. So using a good quality omega three is going to help reduce that inflammation, um, whether it be in the brain, um, different things like that. But the omega three has been shown clinically that that can help reduce, um, help reduce anxiety and depression. Um, trace minerals are another one I like to use. So if people are struggling with any type of brain issues, I like using trace minerals on that. Um, last week I was out in Utah and I actually got to go to a hot spring. So I was really excited. I've never done that. And I didn't realize that they, I didn't even, I just was thinking, oh, Hey, hot water in the mountains. This right. is going to be cool. Yeah. But I didn't realize they had such a high mineral content. And yes. Interestingly enough, I watched my son's behavior because he can't metabolize sulfur and that water was really high in sulfur. So I was really nervous. I thought, oh, shoot, this is either going to be really bad or really good. Yeah. And so and especially since we had to get on an airplane, I thought, oh, let's let's hope this is good. And yeah. sure enough, that the sulfur in that water absorbed in, but it was so high in trace minerals. The behavior for at least the next week was like. It, it was incredible. I thought, oh my gosh, he's like normal. Like, like, oh my gosh, there's nothing there's, we have no issues here. And that was from two days. I made him go back a second day. Cause I was so excited. Um, and so that's the, awesome. Uh, you know, getting minerals in that way. Um, and then homeopathics are things that I like to use too. So there's a lot of different homeopathics that can go in and be used for anxiety, depression. So a lot of times, depending on, I, I, I try to just, um, if a client is on a medication, I'm very, very cautious. I try not to do anything that's going to affect their medication because they're working with their medical doctor. I don't want to have that be altered. Right. So you really want to avoid some herbs, maybe like ginkgo or St. John's wort, but always check your medication, look to see what's on there, see what interactions you might have. You can also get on the internet and just type in your medication and then type in like herbal interaction or um, food interactions and find out what interacts with that medication. So you always want to be careful on that. Um, of course, the ultimate goal is to not be on anything. We don't want to be on stuff. We want to live our lives and just be able to not have to rely on things. So that's going to be the ultimate goal. But there are times, you know, there are times I do believe that people will need to have that time where they need to have maybe medication to get them through till we can get to that point of changing the diet, getting that change then you can get to a point where you work with your medical doctor so you can get off that medication. But, um, but yeah, there's homeopathics are a big one I use that I like to, that I like to, um, that I think really help in with certain type of stress situations. And there isn't, I have probably 10 different ones that are my favorites. So it just depends on the person and what reacts well for me doesn't well work for my son and vice versa. So, um, you know, one that's going to work for him. Um, yeah, it doesn't do anything for me. I'll try to take it. And sometimes it's like, a 
I, you know, if I have a moment that I'm not, you know, he'll look at me and he goes, mom, I think you need to do some, some relaxing and he'll give me his stuff. And, and uh, it's just, I know his stuff isn't going to work as well. Sometimes I will take it if it's, I'm in a situation where I'm like, Ooh, I need to de-stress here, but um, I mean, it just doesn't work as well as the ones that I use for myself. So. And it seems like when you're getting to that point, that's where we always encourage somebody to work with a professional because with homeopathics, I'm sure you're implementing things like the muscle testing to see what might be like absorbed well by the body. Um, And and because there can be so much trial and error with that, really somebody Mm -hmm. is ultimately, even if they don't want to spend money on professional nutritional help, you're probably going to save money by going and working with somebody who can help you find the right thing more quickly than Mm -hmm. trying to figure it out yourself because now you're paying money for all of those products and they may or may not work. So working with somebody who can really help you start out with the right products is, is ultimately going to be the better (laughs) bang for your buck, as you say. For sure. And that's what I I wonder, because sometimes I'll have clients come in and they're on 20 or 30 supplements already before they walk in my door. And it's like, do you need all this? Because I really only take, I have 500 things on my shelf, but I really only take like five things. And, and I, you know, and I think that my genetics are a mess. So mm-hmm. I'm going, if I only take four or five things and I can have whatever I want, why would I take 20 or 30 things? Like you should not be at that point. You should be at a point where you should not be relying on supplementation. You should hopefully be getting your body to the point where you don't have to have all that all the time. Right. But I like where you bring up that working with somebody professional on that is going to save you so much more money mm-hmm. than just walking in off the shelf, grabbing something where somebody could go in and give that recommendation and say, Hey, why don't you try this, this, and this, that's going to probably be cheaper overall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Amazing. Well, you have my mind reeling again. I'm like, okay, I need to <laughs> dial in these foods. I need to go back to Tara. Like I need to like, kind of like get back on the up and up. And this is such a good refresher. And really this is, I just feel, I know I already said this, this feels so hopeful for people. Like you can mm-hmm. feel good. You just, uh, have to start investigating your own health, get some help, try knocking out the big, the big bads and then kind of see where it goes. And just a lot of hope to the story. So I like that. Is there <laughs> anything else that we haven't covered with anxiety and depression that you wanted to talk about with our audience today? Um, I'm trying to think if, if you don't mind, I'm going to scan my notes because no, I have to go I for it. Make sure we didn't miss anything. See. Um, Oh, I think you guys, uh, you know, maybe, um, you know, I think the question that I've had from people is, you know, how do you heal or prevent, Mm. um, heal that? And we kind of talked about the healing on that, but prevention. And I just, you know, just to add on there on the prevention is just watch everything you're putting into your body. Mm. And I would question everything. I don't, I don't care where you're going to, if, even if it's your doctor, if they recommend something, just stop and look it up Mm -hmm. and look up your ingredients, look up the side effects look up the side effects to those ingredients. Um, You know, you're coming into even a friend will say something or, Hey, I've tried this. Does this work? Go in and look that stuff up. Don't just be a sheep and just do whatever, whatever you're um, think you should do. Look it all up because you're being exposed to a lot of things. I mean, anything from our carpets to our mattresses, to our clothes, to our, you know, the chemicals to what's being sprayed on the fields across the street. Like we're being bombarded with chemicals all the time. EMFs are another thing that we can Mm -hmm. talk about that, we got these electronic, you know, the, um, the magnetic, magnetic waves that are going around that 
this is all bothering us. And so how, how can we get that reduced down? Um, working on our screens all the time. Is it good to be on your phone all the time? Should we carry a phone in our pocket? Should we, you know, you could just keep going. This is a rabbit trail. You could go on yep. for a long time. <laughs> yep. but, and I do find that clients will do that. As they get excited, they they start out like we start out with just kind of basics and all of a sudden their eyes are opened up and going, oh my gosh, I had no idea that we were being exposed to all this stuff. Yeah. So go back and and look at all that exposure um, because that's honestly where I think the prevention can come in. So like in the case of, um, you know, two of my kids, I know one, one has been exposed to a lot of high toxicity. Those other two kids of mine that they, their um, toxicity exposure has been a lot less. And, you know, we've watched our things we put in our house. We watch what we eat. And it was interesting when they went off to college, both my kids that went and left for college had issues when they left. Hmm. And number oh. one, yeah, like, and, and the, my daughter even called me and she said, oh, I feel like I'm having symptoms of ADHD. And it was because she was eating dorm food. Mm -hmm. And she said that, you know, she looked around and she goes, mom, I've never had this feeling before. And she goes, this is normal to my friends. They don't even realize how bad they feel because this is normal to them. Yeah. And so she actually cut her food plan this year. Yeah. Um, she even has a food plan and I don't think she eats much at her, at her dorm anymore because she can't even, so she's cooking like what she can out of a dorm room um, because she felt like garbage when she was eating there. And my older son had the same thing. He, he'd never had the flu before. And he called me, he goes, mom, I'm sick. And he's never been sick more than 12 hours. So um, he, he thought, he asked me, it was kind of funny. It was kind of cute. He goes, Can, should I move out of the dorms? And I, <laughs> I said, no, no, you don't have to move out of the dorms. Flu is something that is normal. People get sick sometimes. It's just, has never been sick like that. So, um, <laughs> so he, he really didn't know what to do. He was sick for like a day and a half. He didn't even, he thought he's like, was I just, feel like I'm dying. <laughs> he did. He thought he was dying and he had to lay in bed for a day and a half. He's just never had that before. And so you know, when you limit those exposures down and, and really quick, like he was the same way. He was like, you know, we realized it was the dorm food and he pulled himself off gluten, I believe, because he was having some issues, um, you know, having some issues with that. And it really, his only symptom was weight gain. And he, he pulled himself off gluten and he dropped 30 pounds within really, really quick. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is something that, um, that you, you can look in and go, okay, what is affecting my body? And again, my kids were brought up this way. So when they got out in the world and they were being exposed to this stuff that the standard American diet, everybody else is, then it just threw them into a tailspin. And, um, and then my, you know, so with my kids, they have, they know what they need to do supplement wise or things like that. And those, those two of my kids, they don't, they hardly take any supplements um, and they didn't take very many supplements growing up. So, you know, here I have access to whatever I want. And people will say, what multiple vitamin do you give your kids? I don't, I give my kids good food. Yes, so, yes. you know, I, I just start with the basics. My kids don't have to do a multiple vitamin. They already get omega-3s in their food. They're already getting those things. I don't need to supplement those things. And so, um, you know, really up until they got into college, now they do a couple of things, maybe one or two things, but really overall, my kids don't do a lot. Those two don't do a lot of supplements. The one with the autism, we've got, you know, a whole nother ball game with that, but um but, you know, for, for an average kid, but again, I limited their exposure. We had that cut early on. So, you know, then they don't get sick. They don't, they don't have those issues that everybody else is having. And even my daughter had mentioned when she was in high school, she goes, mom, there was she and one other girl, she goes, we're the only two that don't have anxiety. Every wow. single person around us has anxiety. Wow. And she said they were the only two, but we're also parents, you know, I know her parents are similar minded than us. Wow. We limited that toxicity back when they were really young. And so, yeah that's where we were at, where other parents aren't maybe, they're just not aware. They just yeah. aren't paying attention or don't realize the toxicity impact on that. And then now we're dealing with the anxiety. So, um, you know, then you have to kind of 
backtrack that once you get there. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. it, it can be really overwhelming. I yeah. just think about it like, yeah. so uh, I'm currently in my third trimester of pregnancy. My husband and I are having a little girl in June. And yeah. so we're mm-hmm. like, yeah, thank you. So we're registering for, for things. Yes. And it's like, I, I, not that I'm ever really that worried about what people think about my decisions, but I know it can come across a little bit pretentious, but it's like yeah. everything I'm registering for is organic. Her mattress that we're registering for is a hundred percent like certified organic. Yeah. It's like yep. wool, you know, it's, yep. it's not going to yep. be because to me, yep. all the nursery furniture, all those things off gas, they produce all these chemicals. Yep. And here this, yep human being is going to be at their most vulnerable mm-hmm. you know in this new world they're not protected in my body anymore <laughs> like mm-hmm. and i just think you know it's it's doing what you can and i understand how it can be overwhelming because as soon as we started putting together a registry it was for us mm-hmm. not so simple because i'm like oh we can't just register for the nursery furniture that looks cute now i'm doing all this research on yeah. what's not going to off gas what's not covered in toxic paint like yeah. and so it just became this very layered process that my husband yes. and i felt overwhelmed by but yes. like one thing i want to say for people is don't feel so overwhelmed by it do what you can you know you don't have to go through and yeah. get rid of everything that's in your house like yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. just it's start a, it's with a slow like process. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. a slow process. So when you're yeah. buying new things, think about yeah. what's the new item. Okay, now my you know, we're buying a new mattress. Okay, like our let's just say that somebody is like, Man, I really need a new mattress. Now is your chance to replace your your old toxic mattress with something that's like organic latex or something that's yeah. not going to off gas. So replace things in your life as you can, control what you can with the EMFs. There's good um, protective mm-hmm. uh, op- like options out there now. Mm-hmm. Like I have a little EMF blocker on my phone. We have an EMF blocker uh, like thing that plugs into our outlets in our house that protects a thousand square feet. So we have a couple throughout our house. Like there are things you can do to protect yourself, but also don't don't feel like you have to live. Yeah, don't be so overwhelmed or like you have to live in a bubble. Yeah. Just know like every decision you yeah. make, you vote with your dollars. So when you do yeah. need to buy something or replace something, replace it with a non-toxic option and yeah. then you're controlling your exposure. Yep. Yeah. Well, and if I can bring up too, you mentioned pregnancy. That's another good place, you know, to be watching what you're doing to your body during pregnancy because you know, you are in control of that baby that's in your womb and everything you're ingesting. Um, I was at a meeting one time. I remember a lady, um, I was um, sharing chia seeds and she said that she was so nervous to put chia seeds in her body as she was drinking her Mountain Dew. Oh my and God. I just thought, really? You know, I just thought, <laughs> I, I don't know. That would just struck me as like, you're not going to eat a chia seed, which has high omega-3s. It had, you know, it, trace minerals. And that specific brand was so good. The grown near the equator. And she couldn't trust a seed. But yeah, she just sat there and kept drinking that. And I thought, well, what do we put in our body? So it's the food we're putting in our bodies. And again, anything that you have, you know, injecting, but watch what you're putting into your, watch what you're putting into your body. Because if you can't, you got to look at whatever you're putting in and is there a side effect? And you can have that with, with herbs and stuff too. Mm-hmm. So I'm not just going to pick on medications because you have to look at those herbs and say, is that okay for my body to have? So if a client comes to me and says, I'm pregnant, then that's going to change my recommendations completely as to what I'm going to recommend for them because some herbs are not okay or mm-hmm. essential oils or things like that. So you have to just really know what, just protect your baby on that. And just remember everything you put in your body is going to affect that whatever's in the womb. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and for a lot of women, pregnancy isn't the time to begin making lots of drastic changes. You know? yeah. yeah. Right, right. For and sure. be getting new supplements. Yeah, and sure. make sure you're working with a health practitioner, a nutritionist who knows what they're doing. Again, that's another really good reason to work with with a professional, yeah. but especially yeah. understanding, you know, if you're having there's yeah. lots of things you can do dietarily that can make a big impact during pregnancy that are totally safe. And there are things you can do, but work with somebody yeah. who knows women and pregnancy and gestation and all of those things. So you're working, yeah. <laughs> so you, the decisions yeah. you're making and changing are, are still safe for you. So that's a good point. Yeah. I think that's a good point too, bringing up that toxicity piece that don't, don't try to do that while you're pregnant because yeah. if you know, you're everything you do, if you're trying to, to work on toxicity, you don't want that to affect the baby, but you can always work on the dietary stuff is okay to work on Yeah, absolutely. for sure. You can work on that while you're pregnant, but just be careful of anything that's toxicity related. So you just don't want to be affecting, affecting that baby, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah. There, I was thinking if, if there's anything else you wanted to share on the, um, on this anxiety and depression, um, I guess the last question I would have would be like a stress management. Do you have any wisdom on that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The stress management, um, for me, it's, I mean, definitely looking at that exercise piece that's, I feel like we're in such a busy world and I am so guilty of that too. And I have been for a long time. Um, luckily right now I'm training with my son and he tends to run 10 to, you know, 12 miles a day. <laughs> so I felt easy, you know, just that's <laughs> yeah. why he's uh, running for the other colleges. So, um, but you know, when he's running that kind of mileage, then, um, I actually follow him on a bike every day to make sure just for safety reasons. So in a way I like to complain and say, Oh, I got to go to practice, but in, in reality, it's really good for me to say, oh, I get to go out and have a good hour of exercise every single day that I'm yeah. doing. So it's making, you know, so I'm, I'm kind of part of me. is like, oh, I don't want him to graduate college because what am I going to, I have to like make myself do exercise. Yeah. <laughs> you know, now I have to put it in my schedule all the time. But, you know, exercise is a thing and it, you don't have to make it complicated. You can turn on your music and just dance in your living room. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could do just don't make, don't overdo it. Just make something that is going to be fun for you. Yeah. And I don't care if it's playing pickleball or playing basketball or swimming, um, you know, or walking, just do something that you enjoy doing. And so exercise is going to be getting in the right amount of sleep. Um, that's going to be a really big one too. And it's hard sometimes because I find that people, a lot of times if they're having food intolerance issues or they're having the anxiety, then they have trouble. They can't sleep. So it's mm -hmm. kind of like, what's the chicken, what's mm -hmm. the egg. But if you can get a good amounts of sleep and we're talking, try to do seven, eight hours minimum, on that. And that's my biggest guilty one where I just don't tend to get a lot of sleep um, or not enough. And sometimes that's not my fault, but um, just some of the stuff I have to deal with. But the, uh, but with that sleep, that's a really important one too. Um, and then, uh, um, yeah. And then I was going to say, uh, oh, I know I'm like off trail for the question. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. got to thinking too much. Oh yeah. Any so, advice or for stress management or, or oh, general yeah, management? Yeah. And then, you know, I mean, like I said, just having a, a good supports in your life, talking to someone, whether it be a good friend or a spouse or counselor, or, you know, have somebody in there that you can go in and just have that stress management um, with that. And then, um, you know, and again, back to the diet again, back to the diet. If that goes in, that's going to, if you can get that corrected, then you can overall handle that stress so much better Then your brain's not so overwhelmed with, with that anxiety, with that depression. Um, and then, um, yeah. And then just adding in any supports, if you can nutritionally adding that in. So if you have any supplemental things to add in with that, then that would be good things to add. Absolutely. For that support. 
I think on yeah. the track of exercise too, I read a, several studies where they showed that exercise was as effective, if not more effective for helping symptoms of depression than prescription medications were. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so even I, I like agree with that. the anxiety yeah. is a big piece because exercise can help with that too, anxiety, yeah. but for depression yeah. as well, I think people don't realize the chemical changes and hormonal changes that happen in your body when you exercise can help yeah. reduce a lot of those symptoms of depression. Yeah. And I'm going to add to that. I noticed that with my son um, right now, he's training, his training starts in, in June. I mean, he's in track and cross country all year. He gets a couple of weeks off in the month of May. Otherwise he trains year round. Right. And I'll tell you what, every, the last three years when May rolls around, I'm like dreading it because he tends to take a, two weeks off and I'm like, all right, let's get back out there and get yeah. running. Because <laughs> I notice a difference in his brain that, um, you know, even when he's done with college and he's not doing all the high miles, I expect him, I, I I mean, he will because he wants to, but I would expect that he'll still run three, four or five miles. And you don't have to do that kind of mileage right. to get that exercise. I mean, yeah. a mile, you know, whatever, if you're into running, but um, I'm just using his and him as an example that, or if he's having a rough day, um, I've had people ask me, they're like, well, are you going to go to practice? And I'm like, oh yeah, we're going to practice because when he goes to practice and starts exercising, then his brain will calm down. Rarely do we have issues when he's at practice. And it's interesting to me that I've had several times over the last few years, some of his teammates have said, oh, he has autism. Mm -hmm. Oh, I had no idea. Like it, wow. it puts him in such a mode that where he is like so normal in that situation that um, that people don't even they can't even quite figure out if there's even anything what the issue is or what the or, you know, what the issue is. But it's yeah. it's because he's out there, he's running. And when you get that going, um, his brain is so different when that exercise piece is there. So I'm a very big proponent of the exercise. Wow. Okay. Another motivation. Kay, go exercise today. <laughs> Add it to the list. Time. Yep. 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 Yes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, this has been so enlightening and gets me back on my right path. And your your way of living is so wise and smart. So we appreciate your knowledge and, <laughs> and how you're helping Iowa and, and anyone who can go see Tara. Yeah. How can they find you or get an appointment or what's your online connection? Yeah, the, I'm going to be honest. The best way to, to find me is to text me um, at this point in time. I'm starting to hire more people at my office, so maybe I'll get a permanent phone there. But um, just because of my schedule, texting is the easiest way to get a, an appointment. My number is 319-759-3563. And you can also find that information on my website. It's at nutritionalconnectionsllc.com. And I will have, um, you can email me. I will just be honest again. I don't check that email every day. So if you do just be patient with me, I'll get back to you. But texting is going to be the easiest way to reach me. And you can text me in the middle of the night. I always have my phone on do not disturb. So nice. I'm either teaching a class. I'm in with a client. I'm at a track meet. You know, I'm always running around, but I do have people at my office that do answer my phones um, and specifically the texting. So that's where a lot of that comes in. And that may change, you know, here in the near future, we're looking at some big changes at the office right now um, that are coming in. So I'm excited because as we grow, I've just grown exponentially over the last couple of years. And, um, but that's going to be the best way to reach me for right now. That's perfect. And awesome. you're growing because America, we need you. We need this, <laughs> we need like help our brains. So, so that's for wonderful. Sure. So for sure. Well, thank you so much, Tara. Awesome. It's been thank so you, good Tara. to talk with you this and all. It's been a privilege. Yes. Yes. I'll text well, you for an you. appointment. So <laughs> yeah, we'll look forward to it. Sounds awesome. good. All thanks, right. Tara. And thanks to listeners. And I hope you all got a ton out of this. I know I did. And yeah. go be Renegades. Go be Renegades. Mm -hmm. Thank you for listening to the Renegade Nutrition Podcast. 
Please keep in mind that this podcast is an educational service that provides general health information. The content on this podcast is not a substitute for direct, personal, professional medical care and diagnosis. You should always talk to your doctor before making a dietary or lifestyle change. Go be renegades! Go be renegades!